Hi, and welcome to My Gaming Academia, a podcast where we discuss gaming as it relates to psychology and sociology. My name is Reza, aka Sprint Speed. I'm Javon, aka Jay Stoney. And I'm Eric, aka Hysteric. In this episode, we are going to be talking about cultural representation in video games. So the term cultural representation and cultural appropriation that we're going to be mentioning a lot are in kind of the common parlance of media, online discussions a ton. So I think sometimes these terms get a lot of baggage because they are brought up very frequently. So I think in diving into it, it's important to kind of level set what exactly we mean in referring to these concepts and how what they actually are supposed to represent in an academic sense. Uh, so what what exactly is cultural appropriation and representation as it relates to video games? Well, cultural appropriation and representation, I think, have a lot of different meanings, depending on who you ask and like uh, the various forms and contexts under which it's under. But I think one of my favorites that I have found is from this video that I think it was either you or Javon sent, but it's What is Cultural Appropriation by, by PBS Origins? On YouTube, and at one point they discussed that appropriation happens when you have a position of power or are a member of a dominant culture who is able to take the parts of a marginalized culture that you enjoy, divorce them from their original meaning, and use them for entertainment value without considering their original context, or having to deal with the neg- negative ramifications that someone from that culture would have to deal with as a result of that same action. So that's appropriation. Representation, I think it's kind of just broader. What do you think of when someone kind of does this thing that is tied to a culture in a sense? Right. So I guess to rephrase to make sure I'm getting you correct, um, the representation can kind of be at a broad level, just how these different cultures are highlighted and kind of the aspects as they're described versus appropriation is when you just take like one aspect of a minority piece of culture and just kind of focus solely on that at the expense of not really highlighting kind of the full complexities of it. Yeah. I think the key part of appropriation is mainly that you strip away the meaning and value of that piece of culture that you are utilizing or Mm -hmm. trying to recreate. And basically doing so for the sake of your entertainment or benefit or profit, essentially. Okay. So in the phrase like using a piece of somebody's culture for entertainment purposes, what what exactly does that mean then? Like how can you use a culture for entertainment only? I think an example would be, you know, one that I really love uh, as an example of good, uh, what I think is good cultural representation as opposed to appropriation is that a while back, I remember seeing some article about like this like elementary grade school girl who really, really loved like Japanese tea ceremonies. And so she studied the tea ceremony in its entirety, like what it was meant for, like how it was supposed to be done traditionally and things like that. She uh, got a proper, I think it was a kimono set to like do that, but she tried to do everything to match up with what the tea ceremony was supposed to be for and how it was supposed to be performed, you know, at its most original. And I think in that regard, you know, that's like a hobby. That's an interest that is your entertainment um for us most of the time like in our cases we're thinking more like video games or other forms of media because that's our forms of entertainment but i think like in that regard it's just platinum broadly classifying entertainment as just you know something that you enjoy and a hobby and get some form of fun or joy out of by doing or engaging with okay so i guess in that example if that was like a good example because it kind of she studied all the historical context and like when you might don some of this clothing and like what it meant historically versus if that case, if it were to be appropriated, 
the example that might come to mind for me could be like if somebody just sees that this uh, like a kimono or other piece of clothing is like, oh, that looks cool. I'm just going to throw that in my game without any context of like why a character might be wearing it or where it came from. Right. Or again, like part of the thing about appropriation being for your benefit, like freaking Kim Kardashian specifically with kimonos. She, okay. she had not, like some, I don't think I'm familiar with that drama. So yeah, there was something where she had like a line of clothes or something coming out that was supposed to, no, that was like heavily using things like kimonos or some sort of some Asian garb as like, a baseline and it was just that was not okay because that's clearly like you're doing that to not to get in on a like profit margin and you're not respecting sure. the meaning and usage of the original garbs right and like maybe there's i don't know about kimono specifically um but like maybe they're used with like religious ceremonies traditionally or maybe like pieces of clothing are uh supposed to only use in certain contexts within like the actual place it comes from right gotcha uh so javon on your end have you what kind of examples of like of cultural appropriation have you seen where it's kind of just being used for that cheap entertainment value or like maybe to get a cheap laugh or cheap thrill in games um in games uh i'm trying to think of a a uh, good example. Most of my examples that I think of when I think through like just representation is always uh, related to the depiction of like some person of color in particularly. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of appropriation, I think games are very susceptible to this and I've probably been blindsided for quite some time or not acknowledged it or paid attention to it because it probably happens so frequently. Um, I, I would say broadly, um, some actions of cultural appropriation within games are when like you see people just like people um, like utilize certain artifacts that are like steeped in like rich historical, you know, uh, uh, meaning. And it's just like slapped into a game devoid of any other context. Um, sometimes as like comes, a decorative piece or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it comes into the form of a building, right? Sometimes it comes into the form of like, oh, we have like this secret object for people to get, but that secret object is actually reflective of this real world uh, meaning. For example, um, mm. I forget what I forget what game it is, but when you create, like, say for example, dishonor. Not to say dishonor. Uh, reflects cultural appropriation but say for dishonor you have the mark of the outsider right um but uh sometimes you need to hire uh outside consultants uh because sometimes what you think is an original mark of your own creation is actually could be (laughs) a mark from some other culture um which, which yeah which actually does happen where yeah, in games, you're just like, oh, yeah, we want to uh, have like a, a group, right? And so, okay, we want to create this symbol to represent uh, this group in this game. But then sometimes it takes an outside person to say, hey, we, we shouldn't use that symbol because that symbol actually um, is reflective of this real world group. So to use that, you know, you, mm-hmm. you will be a basically appropriating right? That symbol for your own entertainment value, because that symbol more than likely will be devoid of its actual proper usage in the game itself. You'll be using it to probably mark who's a bad guy or not, even though symbolically, uh, culturally and symbolically for this other group, it means something completely else, like something completely different, right? Something that they don't necessarily profit from. It's a part of their heritage, even though if you use it for your game, clearly there is a direct translation between uh game and entertainment and of course uh money attached to that um and when this happens um and this happens in games um i again i'm not i don't think of one off the top of my head but that's a that is a um a concern that is a, a concern mm-hmm. that uh, game developers have in, or have had in in the past and I, I forget who told me this that they were an outside consultant 
for some game and they wanted to use something, um, they was like, yeah, we want to use this, this symbol or this word. And then they're just like, uh, you shouldn't use that word. That actually, <laughs> there's, a, there's a real group of people that actually <laughs> use that word or use the symbols part of their cultural heritage. You, you should you should do something else. And they really were trying to hold on to it. They was like, well, we really, really like it. We oh. think it's cool. <laughs> like, it's that language. Like, we think it's cool. We really want to hold on to yeah. it. It's like, well, it could be cool all you want to, but like. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I mean, you can design your own symbol. <laughs> exactly. Not. You just created a whole new symbol, a whole new word. Um, and so sometimes uh-huh. it's hard for people to wrestle with the fact that just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, and this is why the topic of like cultural representation, cultural appropriation is so very relevant, um, even in gaming spaces, because uh, sometimes mm. it's just lack of knowledge and ignorance. And other times it's just, no, people um, don't think through the meanings behind what of their creation. Um even right. at a superficial level, it's just like, oh, I like this thing because it, it looks cool or it functions the way I want it to function or it serves a purpose for me. But you're aligning, you're in conversation with something else and you should also wrestle with that too. Yeah, as a recent example, um, this isn't gaming related, but I know on St. Patrick's Day, uh, the football team, the Cleveland Browns, who play, even though their name is the Cleveland Browns, their like team colors are orange. But on St. Patrick's Day, um, they basically were, uh, they retweeted an image that said that they wanted, that they wanted to celebrate St. Patrick's Day with the colors orange um, instead of green, which they thought like, ah, it's our team colors. This is cool. Like, yeah, go team pride. And they associate orange with like Irish heritage. But that's a different sect of Christianity that affiliates with that color. And is that's the reason why it's included in the Irish flag, because Irish is composed of like Catholics as well as other people of different religious sects. Mm-hmm. And so in tweeting that, promoting that because they thought like, ah, it's a cool alignment with our team. They're like promoting this uh, like religious divide. And like there's a lot of hatred between historically between some of these groups that have been. I guess, uh, in conflict with each other in the past. But in a game sense, um, I definitely have uh, seen and am very familiar with the idea of portraying a certain group in a certain way constantly kind of throughout uh, most gaming media in the fact that I'm Muslim. And generally when people in the US, this isn't unique to video games by any means, But when people think of Muslim, they think of somebody who's of Arab Arab ethnicity. And Islam is not an ethnicity, but a lot of games like Call of Duty, which obviously are kind of set within conflicts in the Middle East, uh, portray people that are of Middle Eastern or of Arab descent, then that basically gets unilaterally associated with the culture of Islam, whereas the largest Muslim country in the world is Indonesia. But nobody I've ever met, I think Indonesian is the first thing that comes to mind when you visually, when you say Muslim as a term and the concept, obviously the U S following nine 11, there's been a lot of like political kind of discourse and conflict. You could say between the uh, relationship, a lot of general media has with Islam in the United States, but kind of that constant perpetual, only that depiction of like Islam being like enemy combatants shouting like Allahu Akbar, which means God is great uh, to like go kill people obviously then reinforces an idea of like, that's the first thing that people think of when they think of that culture. And um, like I said, it's not unique to video games, but it's definitely kind of rampant throughout and basically kind of assumed that that's kind of the norm within that cultural sect. Yeah, that's quite fascinating. Um, sad, but it's also quite fascinating the way in which people um, basically pick apart what they want, right? Especially as I mentioned before, or what Eric mentioned before in the definition, right? When you come from a, a particular position in which you can influence and shape ideologies around something, right? You can warp something um, to your own will. And if you get enough people to to believe you, then all of a sudden that becomes almost like normative for a group of people. Um, mm-hmm. And it kind of like 
you have you have to fight um for your for your own like kind essentially there's no you know you yeah have to it's fight. like this is not who we are in right. that sense exactly like this is not who we are this is not what my people reflect these we're not you know you can't say that you know there are you know good faith actors in every space there are always going to be some bad faith actors out there who unfortunately when they do certain actions create a mass like kind of a, a, a mass attention right which then becomes what people like see and associate with and that becomes the narrative sometimes uh and so and i think we see that in in, in different ways uh, i mean eric for for you is there like a like a kind of game or or or, or some kind of a symbol or, or character that you come across in games that like it, it's kind of like being like they're picking apart certain aspects of it, um, but is devoiding of his actual cultural meaning. Fucking Wukong, man! <laughs> oh my god! Like, yeah, that's that's a th- no, that's a thing. Like, I, because because this is it's a great in a mean in a way it's a great example of like appropriation because um, people like me who are fans of uh, Sun Wukong are going to be like, oh, shit, uh, Wukong's in this game? Let me get in on it, right? Uh-huh. And that's clearly to the benefit of the developer and company and everything. But then when I actually play Wukong in the game, a lot of the th- bits about him tend to feel like they're there just because. <laughs> like, uh, one thing that is of key note is that, ah, uh, yes, he's the Monkey King. And when I was like, yeah, that, that is one of his titles. But then they depict like the little halo thing, no, or like crown or whatever you want to call it up on his head on there. And like, they make it seem like, ah, yes, he's the king. That's why he's wearing that thing. And it's like, no, if you're making him out to be the like mischievous free, like monkey king, he actually should not have that uh, headband because that headband is actually the equivalent of like his handcuffs. Because oh, in the original dang, okay. story, yeah, like in the original story, he gets caught for being too mischievous and he is forced to wear that headband. And whenever the um, the monk in charge of basically like watching over him and teaching him to be basically a better person, like sees him misbehaving, the, the monk will chant and that headband will basically like vice or you know, like magically induce like a hell of a ton of pain to the point where... All Wukong can do is writhe on the ground in pain, clutching at his head. Jeez. Like, and if done enough, it, and done, if done long enough, I think it technically it can potentially kill him. So in general, it's kind of just like, yeah, 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 Monkey King, he's got the crown. It's like, oh my god, that's like... <laughs> it's literally the opposite. It's shackles. Yeah, I, no, so I'm not, and I'm just like, and they often also miss, like, and when they play it, and when they say like, oh, he's the mischievous Monkey King, it's like, they also never really get his kit right in being the mischievous part of things and i'm just like Mm. all right so now you're just basically like that's even worse in a sense because now you're like pulling from his like lore and and his character design and everything but you don't like try to match how he plays to like fit in a pre-established like you know um format for how the character is Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of just like it's just like okay this just isn't doesn't doesn't really feel like wukong then in some ways (laughs) but yeah that's a very vivid example for me for like the nitpicking parts yeah that's like quite literally just taking the face value of a story i guess that's deep within a lot of chinese culture um yeah and again the big part now the big part that's the problem within in a sense is that it's being uh, it's like it works right like they, they can get away with that because again like like i literally started playing league because i was like oh shit they have wukong i guess i'll give this game a try <laughs> <laughs> Damn, and then it's but just that's a, but I, I but um wasn't there recently isn't there a game being developed that's like features like Wukong specifically? Yes, that is that is Black Myth Wukong, and it is developed by like by Chinese developers, and I don't think you'll find Wukong wearing a crown during that. Right. Like I yeah, I remember watching the trailer because I watched it multiple times and I didn't see uh, like the the crown shackle, you know, vice. As, yeah, as he you doesn't. Mentioned. Yeah, he doesn't have that because 
Again, <laughs> fucking Chinese developers would know yeah. that. <laughs> they know why he's supposed to wear that. Um, yeah. And another example of uh, appropriation that I remember being talked about a lot was in the game Hell, uh, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice, which uh, aside from this instance, I know that's done a lot of great stuff in terms of mental health representation in games, but when the game came out, the main character has dreadlocks, but she is uh, of Nordic ethnicity. And I remember seeing a lot of backlash and I went, I think it was at MAGFest, I went to a panel talking about cultural appropriation and uh, black culture in video games and they, the speakers talked about how it was really painful to see that the game developers, they basically looked at the hairstyle and they're like, oh, wow, you know, that's a cool hairstyle. We want to take the hairstyle, but we don't respect uh, the black culture enough to make our protagonists black themselves. So they just like took that piece of the character kit, threw it onto an otherwise like completely white woman and then move forward with the game. Uh, And when I first saw Hellblade, that didn't even really cross my mind, but I can definitely see how like in a space where there's a shortage of being able to really role play somebody of your own culture, like that's painful that it was so close and they just like didn't go the the whole mile to actually include uh, that representation. I think that's also something that is worthy of note that you just said there that when you first saw it, you thought, uh, you thought it was cool. And it's like, we're talking about this now and we're very keenly aware of that. Like this kind of thing is there and occurs, but yeah, like when you first see it, you may not think anything of it in a sense, like that's what makes it so easy to get away with at times, which is kind of frustrating because, you know, people with no malicious intent and everything and just, and do really want to, maybe respect or enjoy the culture or just, you know, think that the culture is cool may see it jump. And again, like extension of the Wukong thing I said, but just like, you know, they see it and they're like, ah, cool, jump in on it because they just think it's cool in general, even if they're not like that dialed in. But then again, obviously that's, you know, not the full story and it's being used to like draw these people in. And so I just think that's like part of what makes it so hard to, address cultural appropriation and things like that and have good cultural representation because you know just sometimes you just you do think it's cool and sometimes you just accidentally overstep or whatever you know sometimes people just fuck up and the road to hell is paved with good intentions right and just i think that goes back to uh javon when is like if you're in a position where like oh you like this symbology you like this maybe idea or maybe a phrase or something from a different culture and you think that it's cool. I think that then stresses how important it is for you to do due diligence and either research it pretty thoroughly yourself or better yet hire consultants to come on board and say like, Hey, is it okay if we use this in this context in the game without maybe without giving like a full, uh, fully devoted kind of frame of reference for it uh, to make sure that whatever elements they're taking are being done appropriately. Yeah, definitely. And I think as an addition to that sort of thing, it's also just like when we say that we're kind of like, we mean more so that studios or companies with the resources to do this, that have a very massive and large out- outreach should be very much more aware. Like if you as an individual are like, Hey, I'm trying to do something. I thought it was cool. And you accidentally appropriate. And then you're called out on it. It's kind of like, okay, well maybe you don't always have all those resources. So maybe it's like, okay, sure. You didn't know Mm -hmm. that you do know, do your due diligence afterwards somewhat, because I feel like sometimes people get kind of hung up on this idea that it's like, Oh, if you accidentally, if you go ahead and like appropriate a culture, you're automatically a racist or things like that. And it's like, I don't, I think that is a distinction to be said that that's Mm -hmm. not necessarily the case. Like appropriation is definitively one thing and it's, but it doesn't like, doesn't automatically make you racist. You can, you can disparage something or point out criticism without, I guess, lighting your torch to go full, like, I guess boycotting or like fully condemn something depending on to what extent it might be offensive. 
Um, if it's relatively innocuous, uh, like I don't think you necessarily always need to take it to the furthest step. Um, but I think, yeah. Uh, and I agree with you in that, like it is important to point them out. One thing that struck me when I was kind of looking into this stuff was examples of uh, examples in games that kind of do the opposite of negative appropriation and kind of go counter to how things might be commonly portrayed in a negative way in games. So uh, I remember one example that a YouTube channel called Wow Presents did in an episode called Gamer Guys Black Representation in Video Games. They talked about how in the walking in Telltale series The Walking Dead, the main characters uh, Ellie and her father—I forget her father's name specifically off the top of my head—but uh, the father in that was shown to be really nurturing and really protective of Ellie. And a lot of times, when you look at um, black men in media and in video games, it's that very one-dimensional narrative, like we mentioned, using using the cult, using something for entertainment value of like, oh, the angry black guy. Uh, but in this context, in The Walking Dead, he's really caring and nurturing to his daughter in a way that's really human and realistic uh, of obviously all the millions of people that like really love their families um, in a way that's not just outward aggression and violence. And they talked about how those kinds of uh, counterpoints can be really powerful for at least the individual that's talking about this example in that they it, it felt really wholesome and holistic for once. Yeah, um, I also, I talk about uh, cultural representation in, in video games in my work as well. And one of the games that I kind of highlight as like, like is, how, how can I say it? So I want to, as, as some of my, uh, mentors would say, "Can can I uh, uh, complicate this for a moment?" Can I, <laughs> like, uh-huh. I remember that was actually on a review for me. They was like, "Actually, is there a way to complicate this term, Javon? Is there a way?" I was like, "Why? <laughs> like, why complicate it? Like, come on." <laughs> and but I see for good reason. And so, I, though there are definitely lots of bad examples, and though there are also some good examples, I also want to highlight there's these in-between spaces, right, uh, that sometimes gaming companies, when they create these characters, it's like you're doing, you're, you almost had it, right? Or you did well, and then you messed it, like you you messed this up in this one instance. So for, uh, I like to think about um, Bayek from Assassin's Creed Origins. Baig is a, a is a magi. Uh, he's based in Egypt, right? Um, he has mm-hmm. a son, and Baig is seen as like this very nurturing. Well, not seen, but he is this very nurturing father. All that stuff, like he he's supporting his son in different ways. You know, you hear the conversation that he has, right? And so, within the first five minutes of the game, you get to see this. You get to see this interaction, right? And it, for me, I was just this is great because you rarely get to see like. Um, black fatherhood in video games, specifically that. Like, it doesn't get any more deeper than that. It's like, you don't get to see black fatherhood as often in games. So it was nice right. to see. Uh, and especially having it set in ancient Egypt, right? Like, that's also a, a, a rare setting in which you just get to see, you know, just black people and not just ancient Egypt as, like, the location or the locale for, you right. know, people to just in lack of a better term, just fuck with, right? Um, (laughs) So you get to see this interaction of him being a black father. Um, Spoiler alert, but the game's been out for a while, so I don't care. Um, (laughs) So uh, you see um, his... uh, You see that one of his uh, friends says that, hey, Kimu got captured. Some guys took him away. And so he's like, what? And so he goes after him, right? And so for like seven minutes, you get to see like this nice interaction of him being like a father, right? But then, you know, he gets captured, his son gets captured, and, he, you know, uh, uh, Bake is wrestling with the, the enemies and all that stuff. And then um, one of the enemies has a knife. And so Bake tries to grab the arm, I think, or the hand of the enemy and redirect it, right? 
And guess where the knife redirects oh, to? Oh no, dude! Not exactly. The child. <laughs> yes, Babe kills his oh, own son by accident, God. and I'm just like, bro. And I and I write about this uh, in an article, uh, which is forthcoming. Um, <laughs> and I, and I talk about promotion. this moment specifically, where I'm just like, yo, this is that's not fair. Like this oh, is this is not messed fair. Up. Right? I mean, yes, infanticide is one thing because it's a child, right? Um, and, and, and the second part is just like it's even more uh, disheartening because we had this very rich moment of black fatherhood for seven minutes. I counted it. It's for seven minutes and like some change. And for seven minutes and some change, you get to see what just black fatherhood kind of like looks like, you know, being a supportive element, teaching his son to be patient. Right. As he's trying to hunt down like an animal or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Teach him how to, you know, use a bow and arrow. Right. It's beautiful just for you to literally go the opposite end of the spectrum where not only does his son die, like he's the one that yeah. kills him right by yeah. you know, by accident. But he's the one that kills him. And then that becomes the overall narrative or mo- I would say motivation for his character growth. And I was like, really? Of all the other things that could have been, of all the other Assassin's Creed games that came out, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Utilizing black infanticide was the direction you wanted to go with this. Like, that, so, so that's where I'm just like, this is where, like, I like, where games, let's, you know, it's more complex, you know, it's like, Sometimes it's not just one thing. It's not like all good, right? And sometimes characters not all bad. But like, here's a good example of what happens when uh, developers are only thinking about the narrative structure, right? But not really thinking about okay, what other meanings can this align itself to, right? So yeah, for you, yeah. it is like a motivation to get a character to think. You know, to like motivate the character to basically, you know, kill this particular kind of enemy to branch not only the story of Baek, but also expand the universe of Assassin's Creed. Okay, that's that's fair and fine. But like, bro, like, really? Like, like, there's that logic, but then it's also like, bro, like, couldn't he still be a loving, supportive father throughout the entire of the game? And if not, let it be like a struggle where he's he's a magi, right? He he works for right, you so, know yeah. royal family right so it's just like of all these other kind of plot lines you could use you utilize the one where you literally devoid not only of uh, the black the black character himself of his of his son but as the player you're showing that black death is most important to make profit that's what that aligns itself to um yeah, and so it's just like yeah black death makes money right so black joy doesn't but maybe let me let me get off my give my soapbox (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's painful and a lot of the commonalities in these different uh, cultural representations that um i think a commonality not all of them i guess but can be that hey yeah you can use this like narrative element in the story or you can use this in a story by itself and like one instance of this like you can debate like yeah okay that could happen uh but from the context of somebody that is maybe like you feel personally affected by this culture or like you are if if i'm part of a cultural community i my attention is very finely peaked to all instances of representation so when you take this one single story or this one single event in the broader context of all the other games for the last 10 years maybe the game developers haven't really been following what that constant representation looks like. But if that's part of my culture, I generally am aware of how that's always being said or always being described. And so when you fall into the same traps as everyone else, where you don't take the effort to go that like extra step of having respect, like all these other times, it's like the fact that this is the 200th time can often be like the defining factor where it's like, okay, this is kind of enough guys. Come on. Right. And like, we're always so protective of culture because it comes from a people. It's more than just, you know, you yourself, right? Like when you, when you're doing something involving culture, you are speaking about a people. It's, uh, it's why stereotypes hurt. It's why, you know, um, poor representation feeds into 
all kinds of different uh, negative outcomes and why good representation now makes things seem so badass. Like good representation being, you know, Kung Fu. Everyone loves Kung Fu. Everyone thinks it's cool. That's good representation, even though it's still misunderstood, but better than the other way where it's like, you know, like Javon was saying, it's like, you, you black infanticide, like, come on now. That's, that's like the, that's some of the bad stuff. And so culture is so big because of those things. And it hits so hard, like you said, when, and why we're so piqued about it, because it's very ingrained in how we're raised a lot of like how our identity and values are instilled as we grow up and develop. If you think back to some of your own like psychological like behaviors or tendencies, cultures affect that very much so. Like uh, when you look at different versions of like cross-cultural psychology, you know, why are Eastern ethnicities so hell-bent on like family and like, you know, having kids and this and this, right? While Western cultures are very much more like, oh yeah, we're okay with going child-free and things like this. And it's like, you look at something like that and you understand that Eastern cultures are, you're raised very much on like familial unit concepts. And in Western, it's much more about the individual. So these kinds of things and how they factor in how we ourselves grow up, how we ourselves develop and how we ourselves become ourselves. It's part of the reason why it's so important to discuss this and why it's so important to, you know, make it clear as to why and how it should be noted and, you know, respected. And so along that line, I think it's something of note to say that developers really should take more steps to be, you know, thoughtful about this kind of thing. From that same video you you mentioned for talking about uh, like the, uh, the Walking Dead, right? It's like the main characters were black. But apparently the cover of the game primarily highlighted the white heterosexual characters. It's like you could you could stand to like do a little more with no with that kind of thing. You know, like I I know uh, in one instance, Harada for Tekken, when he wanted to introduce the the Middle Eastern character uh, Shaheen, he put out the early sketches and said, Hey, how is this? Like, we want to know. So we don't offend anybody. Like, let us know if something mm-hmm. needs to be changed. Let us know if something isn't right. We want to get this right. We want to put someone in who is middle Eastern, who represents middle Easterns. And you know, that's what they did. They now like the character speaks. I do believe it's Arabic, but like they, they got someone to, actually speak arabic for now for that and nice <laughs> yeah and it's one of those things where it's like duh that's really cool that they have no they have the middle eastern character speaking a middle eastern language there's, there's multiple no there's a couple of middle eastern languages i think but like at least a middle eastern language like right and i i think like officially he's from saudi arabia and um you can see that also reflective of his clothing because there's uh, a lot of times like within a bunch of the different cultures of uh, the Middle East and like South Asia, where there's heavy Muslim populations, clothes kind of get entered and kind of like just mixed up there. But I think that step of reaching out to kind of for open feedback is a really good indication that like, they really want to make sure that if even if they're trying their best, he recognizes that, hey, he might have a blind spot in this development process. Or like maybe there are people that are that live this type of culture every day that have really authentic input for that. So um, I really like that. I also want to give a shout out to Overwatch because I think Overwatch does a really good job at representation across a lot of its characters, where again, it's not just representation in a lot of senses but with like cultural representation in particular it's not just like oh it's a character from this place they have the appearance of that but the a lot of the voice actors are from similar cultural backgrounds or people that uh and they go to a lot of lengths to kind of really build out each character to be pretty deep 
Um, so for instance, with like Orisa, the inventor for the robot or Omnic Orisa is um, Effie Oladele, and I'm probably mispronouncing that. I apologize. But uh, that's not just kind of a general she's African. It's they specifically like talked to and sourced the uh, Yoruba people. I, I'm pulling this from the Overwatch Wikipedia. So uh, that's where I'm kind of getting this information. But they've they sourced a lot of uh, information from the the Yoruba people is the name of kind of the cultural ethnic group around Nigeria to have a lot uh, to make it like a real culture. It's not just like, Hey, it's general bland African. Let's just pull whatever kind of makes sense. But like real people come from like real places in a very distinctive fashion, if that makes sense. And I think overwatch generally does a good job at uh, a lot of these represent representative efforts. Right. Those are one of those things that we can, uh, do better on for sure there as well. And I think, you know, one, uh, one of the steps that can be taken is, you know, maybe hire sociologists like Javon to actually <laughs> fucking take a look at this stuff, right? Because I'm free. Like, I'm available. You can hit me up true. on Twitter. Yeah, like fucking, uh, let's, ha- let's have you, you know, work at a place that's not known for harassing a ton of women. I don't know. I don't fucking know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, fucking it. every game company does that now. God damn, it's like the, no, it's like the Battle Royale trend, uh, Battle Royale trend after Battle Royale. Talk about it. Fuck. Yeah. Anytime, uh, kind of going back to that, start going full circle back to that original definition you talked about. Uh, whenever there's like a majority culture, a lot of times people like assume that's to be the norm, and so it can be any instance of just taking like a simplified, stereotypical version of any subset of people. Yeah. So, Javon, what no? What do you think that can be done more to do this? Do you think like more research needs to be put in? Like, uh, what do you think? Because, like you said, you did uh, you did work with this kind of thing specifically for your research and such. Yeah, a, a few things have come across uh, in my in my uh, in my studies when it comes to this topic. First and foremost, it comes down to a few. Well, there's a few things. Um, one, who is in the circle? Like who, uh, to quote Hamilton, um, you know, who's in the room? Uh, <laughs> it's like very seriously, like who who is in the room when you're having these conversations about where it happened? Creating, yeah, like who's in the room where it happens, where you create these conversations surrounding uh, characters. And it is not just the fact that, well, yes, we need more people of color, black people uh to be in game development spaces it's still a a large dearth of them in game development spaces uh growing but still very small Mm -hmm. but it's not just about having people of different you know skin tones right you also want people of different thoughts you know a, a range of thoughts because if you just have people who literally come from not even the same area, but more likely come from like the same like socioeconomic background, come from the same institutions, mm, right. right? Everybody got their degrees in technology from like the same like elite institutions, right? You're only picking from certain kinds of applications, looking for people with certain kinds of things without necessarily taking into account, you know, what else they can bring to the table, right? Like we're talking about a diversity of thought, not just in terms of hue. Uh, right, you want a range of experiences and that only comes from the people that are are put in these positions to do so. So it's not just so. What I'm saying is, don't just hire black people just to hire black people. That's a problem in and of itself, right? You, you hire these people, you put them in positions to actually have voice and agency, um, and you take them seriously. And of course, that doesn't mean yet everyone's suggestions has to go into the game. But at least those suggestions are being heard and they should be heard with earnest and and, and respected as such. That's one thing. Uh, Another thing is. uh, Another thing is game development companies are very skittish to do anything that they believe is going to rock the boat. Um, And so they buy time and, and they buy time by basically doing like these little I, I've noticed this. They buy time by doing like these small little nuggets. Well, what I mean by that is a game can come out white character as a protagonist, but their side character can be like this person of color. Amazing, dynamic, 
you know, charismatic, whole nine yards, they're a helpful companion, right? And then sometimes they take that and be like, okay, maybe, maybe we can do this. Maybe people do enjoy this, right? So they, they do those steps. But sometimes it's just like, well, why do you have to assume that the game won't sell based upon just having, you know, a person, uh, a color in the beginning? Um, so we have to, mm-hmm. I, I want game development studios to challenge their assumptions about what is being bought. But again, these things don't come out of nowhere, right? Like media, it's like a call and response, right? And so if the game development companies feel as though that black, like having games with not just black characters, but like people of color in certain like uh, positions, like the protagonist, where does that come from? Well, okay, well, think about the audience. Like who is your audience um, that plays your games? And if it comes to be like, oh, you're like basically catering to your audience, well, why not take the step to challenge that? Because in some ways, maybe your audience is probably more prepared to play these games than you give them credit for. So there, there's that. Um, I mean, yeah, take a look at Deathloop, right? Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> Deathloop. Yeah. I mean, yes, it's centered on you know like people of color and they have guns and all that stuff, but like it's something, right? And it's by Arcane Studios, correct? Um, and it did amazingly well. Like it's doing I mean, The game is beautiful first and foremost. It looks amazing, right? Like I love the characters, right? Because I've seen a friend of ours play it before, and it's brilliant. And I, I love the, the 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 banter. I love the world. I love the landscape, right? And they don't go over the top in terms of like, okay, we need to make sure people know that they're black. Okay, we need to make sure that people we have like certain cultural artifacts. Like that's supposed to be reflective of the black culture to make sure people know that they're black. We're supposed to set them up in certain ways to make sure that they, like they don't do that. Or at least in my experience of seeing the game for the like an hour or two, I didn't feel that. Which is which is nice because that just means that there are people just right. like you I and mean, I. Focuses like, that their characters in and of themselves. It's not just their skin tone. Correct. Um. So there's that, and I also like to highlight something else which is um it's okay to feel like you have to research people and i mean that very very like like as as plain as i can be it's okay to do your homework to research a cultural identity it's okay to you know ask you um maybe not just your colleagues within the space but it's also okay to you know, get other people's opinions on, you know, like, like certain experiences. Mm -hmm. It's okay to like, trust and believe this. I'm talking to the game industry at large. Trust me, games researchers are like, waiting for game (laughs) companies to simply, hey, can you help me work on this game? They're like waiting for it, right? Hopefully people can put their <laughs> ego aside for like one minute. Right. Like it's like they're just waiting for it right now. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say all the researchers are going to jump at the opportunity. They probably will probably clap back at you. But I would say there are some games researchers myself that see the value of not only critiquing the thing, but also helping shape for the better uh, people's gaming experiences. And if it takes me as a, as a researcher of games to talk to your, your, you know, your studio, your company uh, mm. and thinking through like the character, the narrative, I mean, if you pay a brother, then, you know, done deal. We, we can go from there. Right. <laughs> and to be clear, I was referring to uh, developers putting their egos aside to ask for help. Not oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't well, know. If that was yeah, like, researchers yeah. got egos, too. OK, I've seen okay. it. Well, yeah, I'll yeah, say yeah. it as the experts. <laughs> yeah, but, but like in the field of comp science psychology, like UI UX is a thing. And it in a way, it didn't. it was always a thing, but it didn't really get like that big i feel until uh till apple started really implementing their stuff with a lot of good uh ui and ux design ux by the way is user experience okay and then that shit started blowing up everywhere and now like ux designers are like everywhere now so hey developers you could be the trendsetter yeah, maybe be the next Apple of the gaming industry and set the the CX, the cultural experience, <laughs> in a bar and get that going. I don't know. I like that right? term. Uh, 
Like, yeah, maybe make that maybe turn. But if you call it that, give me credit. <laughs> nice. Awesome. I do also, I don't want to miss mentioning that the Pokemon company specifically is so bad at diverse cultural representation with the character customization in the game. It always bothers me that it's literally just like they took hues of colors and like you can kind of change it. No changes to like uh, maybe one or no changes to like hairstyles at all or like facial structures or like anything that actually looks like different cultures. It's just kind of a very staple, uh, I guess, Japanese culture, which kind of bugs me. But at the end of the day, it's it's not unique to Nintendo or a lot of game companies kind of do that where they just kind of do a color palette swap without actually taking things that uh, are representative of actual cultural looks and styles. Yeah, I think back when they maybe used like a tiny little sprite and all your character was was like a little diglet looking thing walking around the map. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But now... Come on, man. <laughs> right. Well, anyways, I think that wraps up my general thoughts on the topic, at least initially, for one episode. Do you either of you guys have anything else you want to say? Yeah, um, I just, you know, I don't like to leave people just like, you know, uh, in, in, in space, lost in space. So some resources and, and for folks uh, to to look up and read through, and I approve of these feet, uh, these folks. Um, so there's intersectional tech um, by Dr. K- uh, Kishana L. Gray, who we had uh, on our podcast. Oh yeah, um, shout as out well. Dr. Gray. You know, um, so please listen to the podcast as well, and also um, read intersectional tech. Uh, there's also uh, woke gaming digital challenges to oppression and social justice which is edited by uh, dr gray and also her colleague david j leonard and you can also if you, if you can read this article called when keeping it real goes wrong resident evil 5 racial representation and gamers that is written by andre brock another uh brilliant scholar and i would like for you to all uh, if you can read his other book called, as I grab my book, it's called Distributed Blackness, African-American Cybercultures by uh, Andre Brock. So this is his latest work that came out. So please dig into that as well as I currently will myself. Great. And if you guys liked this episode, be sure to follow us on social media at MGA underscore podcast. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Again, I'm Reza, a.k.a. Sprint Speed. I'm Javon, a.k.a. Jay Stoney. And I'm Eric, a.k.a. Hysteric. Goodbye.